it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. We can get free college degrees based on all of the opportunities that are out here and available to our students. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience adversity. Yeah. Here's your host, Danita Bailey. Well, good evening and welcome to School Days Help for Moms and Dads of School Age Kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that children and teens limit their time on screens to no more than two hours a day. With school back in session, parents and medical experts are having to rethink screens now that children's education depends on them. So, David, this has definitely been a hot button topic in our house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was that mm-hmm. a question? No, it wasn't a question. This is the part. See, let me introduce you to school days. This is the part where you and I go back and forth and talk about stuff. <laughs> I know, but you normally ask me a question. <laughs> okay, so what do you think about what's been going on in our household lately? <laughs> oh, well, I'm good. Well, I mean, I'm chilling because I'm outside teaching. <laughs> I'm out in the front. So everybody who doesn't know, it's our house. So we're all at home. So I'm at home. My wife's at home and all three kids. And I'm in the front uh, teaching and living my best life. And it's utter hell going on in our house. Yeah, that's a good description. (laughs) It is. You know, they are uh, three kids, you know, three different devices. We had major tech issues, uh, which now we got most of them resolve, but then you have kids wanting to hop around and, you know, one-handed cartwheels and, and, and YouTube videos while the teacher's teaching. My oldest son, he was, he made uh, eggs <laughs> while class was going on. <laughs> um, it's just, it, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be like, okay, guys, the way this all this problem is, and I hear in the background, be quiet, no, don't be quiet. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I hope my kids don't hear all this stuff, you know, and, it's uh, they don't come out and bum rush me while I'm teaching sometimes and you know, they don't want to wave a mic and I'm like Man, get out the way I'll push the head out the way or something uh so um I'm good how you doing babe <laughs> faring less well than that uh really it's so we do have one one of our sons has a pretty serious screen addiction which was actually kind of the catalyst for us doing a, a show about this because you know really we're just trying to get help ourselves so <laughs> We invite people on that can yeah. help you and me. <laughs> yeah, this episode is really about us, guys. Yeah, it's really about us. You guys us. can tune in, but this is about the Bailey's today. <laughs> but it's been, you know, now he's doing virtual learning. And so he's online six hours a day, I think. Sounds like that's about right. And then, you know, just trying to sneak doing things on his tablet in between classes and sometimes during classes and then just, you know, after class, we tried, you know, we, we brought home the tablet. And before I could turn the screen time on, he had set his own password for screen time so that I could not set screen time on his tablet. So <laughs> we have been a, a little bit on the struggle that's actually, bus. That's pretty crafty. I mean, he's that. super smart. Like if we can hone his his powers and whatnot for, for good instead of evil, he's going to be really something. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a it's been quite a struggle. 
I'm glad you're you're living it up outside while you're teaching your class, though. Uh Oh, there's a child coming in the room. David has muted himself. OK, well, we're going to move on because it looks like my children are inter- intervening. Oh, yep, there is Jonathan. Yeah, he just he just popped his head in. <laughs> he, he just wants to get beyond camera. He, just, he, he wants to be it. famous like us. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Being lights. See, I'm in lights. Yes, yes. They can't see you, though, if they're listening to the podcast. Okay, we're really going off the rails here. Okay. (laughs) Well, before we go any further, let me just say it it does take a village. If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in. Add the hashtag school days show or I am school dazed. And also we do want you to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 214-444-5575. Or if you're live with us on Facebook, you can drop us a question there and we will do our very best to get to you as soon as possible. So without any further ado, let's jump right in and introduce our guest. Today's kid caster is seventh grader. DJ Bailey from Mansfield, Texas. Jeremy Edge is a licensed professional counselor with over seven years of experience working with adults, teens, and children in various settings, including ADAPS of Missouri, every child's hope in private practice. After personally experiencing the negative effects of addictive gaming, Mr. Edge devoted his work to helping those recover from internet addictions and problematic screen use. He is passionate about helping teenagers and adults in the Dallas area obtain a more fulfilling life away from screens. Mr. Edge helps strengthen family relationships and gives parents insights and practical tools to address unhealthy screen use. Outside of internet addictions, he works well with anyone struggling with depression, anxiety, relationship challenges, and stress. Welcome to School Days, Mr. Edge. <laughs> yeah, you're muted. Thank you. All right. Thank you for the introduction. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, let's go ahead and just jump right in. Dave, you want to start? Yes. Yeah, so I want to start with, so why did you decide to dedicate your practice to technology addiction? I'm sure this is probably a newer a newer phenomenon as far as, you know, uh, helping people. So how did, how did you get into this field? Um, it started off with me. I mean, I grew up with technology um, and for a long time, it was kind of part of my life, but really what drew me to it were a couple of things going on. I was in private practice in Dallas and I saw a few of my clients were really kind of struggling with pornography issues with a lot of gaming issues. Um, and so like, I, I saw more of it, an issue with, with the clients I was seeing, that was kind of the root of what was going on. And then I saw it in personally in my life too, where gaming was, it became not just a fun hobby, but a problem. And it came, it got into some, it was, it was a negative experience for me rather than it being a positive. And so I saw that, you know what, I, I want to stop, um, having this be a negative thing in my life and I want to help people, um, where there's not really many resources, for that yet. And so I, I saw that um, gaming disorder was something that was coming down the pipe as legitimate diagnosis in 2022 from the World Health Organization. And so I wanted to be able to, to help out people that did not have that as a resource yet. So that's, that's kind of where I started. 
So you said there that, and th this was very interesting, that the World Health Organization has actually given this a, um, a specific diagnosis. So what is what are the symptoms of that? What actually is gaming disorder? Um, so it's going to be coming out in publication in January 2022. Um, and there are three big pieces to it. And there are some that, um, you know, if, if, if the activity, if gaming is, is causing you problems where like you're trying to use this to an escape from a problem or from, from an issue, um, that, that's a symptom. If it's causing you uh, issues, then um, in areas where, uh, like if it's getting kind of in the way of your overall well-being with school or with your friendships, then that can be, that's another sign or symptom. If you're trying to stop, and you haven't been able to stop, then that's another uh, symptom as well. And so the World, the World Health Organization has identified three, but there may be more that come out when it's a full diagnosis. Um, and so, but, but that's uh, some of the criteria is um, you're, you're trying to stop and you can't, um, and it's negatively impacting some other areas of your, of your life. Um, there's more specific kind of criteria within the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual uh, for like um, mental health diagnoses. Um, there's, there's more specifics within that, but it's in a um, needing more research phase where it's not fully diagnosable yet within the DSM, but it has more specific criteria. Does um, that make sense? Yeah, I gotcha. You know, Go ahead. So just to put it in context, uh, a lot of my students in the classroom, you know, it, it's, it's you know, this is, there's a lot going on right now. You have the pandemic, you have um, learning all day. And then um, afterwards, like, like, what is there to do? Like, what is there to do? So um, many times kids are like, oh, I mean, some kids, they like reading just for the love of reading, but a lot of kids just don't. And so yeah. what's easily accessible to you is your phone It's right there. It gives you access to friends, it gives you access to music, it gives you access to games, it gives you access to you, know, you you name it, you can probably find it, and um, and it can be entertaining, you know, and it can be an escape. And if uh, I know we talked about this before the show, but if you know if a teacher is not engaging their kids well, and you know they sound like the teacher from Charlie Brown or from Ferris Bueller's Day <laughs> Off, then um, it could. I mean, I can't imagine. You know, it's just you. I'm, I'm you know I'm. Uh, I'm the type that, you know, if, if, the, if the teacher is, is this kind of one, one, one with the lecture, you know, that's why I'm, you know, sometimes my, uh, you know, our kids can, can really drift into like, well, okay, well, YouTube, uh, yeah. okay, well, Fortnite or whatever it is while the teacher's teaching and we've had to get our kids off a couple of times. Like, what are you doing? Oh, 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 yeah. You know? <laughs> and so, um, I, mean, I, I get it. And some of my kids, they said, they'll spend, after school, another six, eight hours virtually. So it's, it's real. It's real. Yep. Um, is, is there a difference between, well, there obviously is because one's a diagnosis, tech addiction. Is there a difference? What, what is that? And why is there not a diagnosis for that? Kind of what, tell us what the difference is. Yeah. So gaming disorder is one that has a lot of research behind it and and there is still more research coming out on it but uh the world health organization has identified that as a is the activity um that's a behavior addiction basically or a process addiction so similar to gambling um they see it as kind of having some some negative problems but tech addiction 
is something very broad and screen addiction is kind of a term is very broad that there is some research behind it, but there isn't enough research to say that it's a full blown diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, maybe down the road there, there is, but at, at the current spot where we're at, there's only, um, there's some research coming down the pipe of how social media can be linked to some, some issues, but there's not consistent, um, evidence that's saying it, it's 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 an addiction um but but gaming for example there's there's disordered gaming that can happen but tech addiction that it's something more broad um and it's something that's um not researched well enough yet to to be called a full-blown addiction we, you know and so that um maybe down the maybe down the road there, there will be more of a uh there, there may be more of a diagnosis for that but that's why it hasn't it hasn't happened yet so Tell me why it's so addicting. What is what is it that these gaming companies have been able to accomplish that make these make us and not just the gaming companies, because I you know, obviously, I mean, I feel like I've got some issues with my phone, if we're being uh. honest, oh, don't start. Um, so what is it that they've done that has that has made this something that we have to have? Um, so gaming companies have like intentionally hired like psychologists and professionals to to make people kind of want to go back for more and more um and so what it what it draws on is just kind of immediate gratification and positive reinforcement um a lot of games you, you go through and you progress on something and you get an instant reward for progressing um in a lot of games there it's very competitive too so something like Fortnite, something like um, Call of Duty or something that is, you know, Valorant and some of these, these popular games that are competitive, you get immediate reward when you do well, when you perform well, um, you can get a, a reward in the game or you're able to say like to your friends, basically you're, you're better than somebody else because of a rank system. Um, you get, um, you can acquire really fun items and you can look for fun items. And there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of psychology behind games, basically. And so that's why it's just really satisfying. For social media, too, um, social media companies intentionally try to keep us spending as much time online as possible. And so even the notifications on our phone, the color red is intentional because it, it grabs our attention. It's like saying, look, you know, address me, like kind of emergency. Know, <laughs> exactly, exactly, emergency. So even we have like, you know, whatever number of notifications, we are in really biologically encouraged to click on that to, to, to get rid of that notification. Um, and just by clicking on it, we spend more, a little bit more time on that. Um, and it makes us want to spend more and more time on it. And so basically gaming and, and, and different tech companies uh, have, well, social media have different algorithms to make us want to go back for more and more. And then gaming uh, games are intentionally created for us to have fun and then positively reinforce us to go back for more and more. You know, I, I can relate. Um, so this is probably three, four years ago now. Uh, I got kind of hooked on cooking fever. I don't know if you remember that game. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So for those <laughs> who don't know about that game, you know, you're this chef and or you know, you work at a burger joint or, or whatever. And the customers come in and they, they put up the order. And then you start cooking for them. You have one grill, you have one fire maker and one soft drink maker. Uh, you know, they're happy. So they smile, they walk away. But as it gets worse and worse and uh, more and more come in, the orders get more complex. It's actually, it's, very, it's a very complex game. Uh, but then eventually, um, you can only serve so many people. I say, but 
if you want to serve more, here's a five dollar upgrade. Oh yeah, oh you know, I never really, I never bought anything, uh, but you just can't. You you to the point you can't go any further. You literally cannot go any further until you get these upgrades. It might take you eight years to do it the old fashioned way, or you can pay two ninety nine and and get that little <laughs> that extra fry maker. You can double double your fry output, you know. And so um, it's so e- it's so easy to do. And uh, I got away from it. My, my next one was War Robots. But I get it. Um, again, I didn't. I never really got into the buying money part of it. But you know, they have robots. You can pay one hundred dollars for a robot. Like really, you know, that's just for the robot. I'm including weapons and stuff. So um, it's it sucks you in. I, I get it. I, I get it. So true, Jeremy. So are there people that are more at risk for gaming addiction and for getting sucked in by technology? There are so kids who are anyone who's diagnosed with ADHD can can be more prone to 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 play games maybe in a problematic way. Those who have impulse control issues um, could have could are more prone to to engage in a, in a negative way, um, and uh, and so those those are two two big big factors maybe of, of how um, that could maybe lead to some problematic gaming. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen necessarily. So if someone has ADHD, it doesn't necessarily mean that they will engage in, you know, addictive or problematic gaming. But um, that that's kind of a sometimes a prerequisite that does happen. Mm-hmm. So what's the uh, the like the neuroscience of it? Like what's happening in our brains um, chemically that that you know gets that get that you know, gets that you know gets you sucked in. Yeah, uh, it's a great question. So is dopamine, dopamine is the chemical that kind of fires off in our brains, which is the chemical for feeling good, the feel good chemical. So we do something fun. Um, we, we get that have dopamine saying, I like that. I'm going to do it again. When you go on Facebook and you see that you get a like on a comment or you see like you get five, 10 likes and that feels really good. It positively reinforces you to go back and do it again. And so a lot of games have a lot of positive reinforcement going on and a lot of dopamine fires off in our brains whenever we're playing these games. And so it feels really good chemically whenever we're, we're doing this. Um, and it can maybe even arguably feel better or feel uh, more fun if we're doing that versus doing maybe a more traditional activity. Mm-hmm. Say someone's playing a competitive video game, but then they go play a competitive, play a play competitive physical world sport like basketball. Um, they may not feel the same, right? It could be more rewarding to play a competitive video game because there's a lot of positive feedback going on. Whereas you play, you know, you play horse with your friends, you play a competitive game with your friends of basketball. It's still fun. You still get some positive reinforcement, but not as much. So hmm. basically the, the dopamine is a big piece of it for, for the chemical piece. Yeah. You know, just as, as an aside, I was thinking as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, for most adults and for kids, life can just be hard. And uh, maybe it's, it's, maybe it's the only place some people are getting af- affirmed. Um, in in society, it says you know life is just you're paying bills and you know you're just working, you know, and all the things that you do. Uh, sometimes it can be something where maybe they're just not getting enough of that on their job or you know wherever. And so this is a place where they can get away and be affirmed, escape. Um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, escape from the reality of life, but also be affirmed in a way that maybe they aren't in the world. So that can be kind of a, a pull as well. This is just I'm just kind of thinking off the top of my head, but I'm thinking maybe that might be part of it as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and escaping can be like an okay thing to do, like, right. Like we all need to be able to have a healthy escape from stress and from work and from, from challenges. 
Um, and games can be a great way to do that in, in a healthy way. But if, if we're kind of intentionally going there and, and never addressing maybe problems in our relationships or never addressing, you know, the homework that we are that piling for our work, right? Like if we're intentionally doing that and it's causing us issues, then that's where it needs to be addressed. But having a healthy escape and using games to do that can be a really good thing, especially during COVID when we set up, we can't go out, maybe he put me out in the physical world as much. So going online to a game can be a good supplement. I'm curious. So, you know, Dave and I are old um, <laughs> and we were, you know, Speak we grew up on, yeah, you're older <laughs> than me. We grew up on Atari with Pong and Space Invaders. I actually just watched a really good documentary about the maker of Space Invaders on Netflix. But um, so I do not remember people like, you know, wearing adult diapers while gaming back then, <laughs> you know, and, you know, losing their job. Is it? I feel like it probably is. <laughs> I haven't, uh, yes, yes, I, See? There are, See? I mean, uh, I mean, pe people will try to spend as much time on some of these games as possible and wet themselves or not go without food or eating or sleeping. So, uh, it can be all consuming. Mm -hmm. I heard about a guy dying gaming. He just yeah. never got up and just died, just mm -hmm. rolled over and died. Didn't eat, didn't, it was, yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so I said all that to say that it, it seems that now that i mean gosh at one point and this was probably 10 years ago i looked at a video game and had looked and you know since i was a kid and i was like what the <laughs> this is like real life so i'm guessing it's this is what they've done not only because the technology has made it so that they could do this but this is part of the thing that sucks us in yeah yeah the type of games that are now going on are a lot more engaging and more fun some of it could be more realistic like you're saying right the, the graphics can be a lot better and so it can be um, you know, kind of a, a you know, um, NBA 2K and some some um, football games, Madden can be pretty lifelike, but there can also be just uh, a lot more excitement. Pong can be you know, can be very simple. Yeah, in some of some I loved of the, it though. It's, it's very fun. No, it's very fun. <laughs> but when you look at the games now, they're just so fast paced and so much stimulation. Yeah, There's so much stimulation. Yeah. Um, and so if, if that bodes well for kids who want a lot of stimulation, right? They, they, they are bouncing off the walls. They want to have something that's like bright and shiny. Uh, and games these days can offer that. Yeah. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit here. Now we were talking about in the intro that, you know, our kids are now virtual learning and they're online. Some of them, ours are synchronous. So ours are legit online for like six hours a day. Um, mm -hmm. And then they want to event they want to get off well no, they don't want to get off they want to you know begin entertainment as soon as school's over so somebody that has a gaming addiction is it safe for them to participate in virtual learning is this something that maybe our parents should reconsider if they know that their child already has a problem i think it, it can be okay but it needs there needs to be some certain boundaries how i kind of view screen use are in three big categories productive and educational um, entertainment and fun and then social. And so the productive piece, you know, if they're on screens doing education for six hours or so, um, and it's just that, and then it, it meets a different need than, than gaming. If they're having a device that's strictly devoted to education, there's no way for them to get on discord or talk with their friends, or there's no way to jump on Fortnite or on YouTube, but they're just doing education then that can be okay. Um, but if they're using the same device to 
you know, watch a YouTube video about gaming or to, to check, talk with their friends through a game, then, then that needs to be uh, talked to talk through and, and to, to get to a healthier place. But I think it can be okay to do online learning if it's in that box of online learning, if they're trying to, to move it over to be online learning and do entertainment and do fun at the same time, then that's where it can be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, Is there um, a ratio of learning versus, you know, escape that maybe parents should consider when balancing? Like, is it like a, you know, sometimes it could be a one-to-one or a one-to-two ratio of time spent learning versus time spent online. Um, is there like any, any standard out there or well, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Being able to have the standard of how much time to do education versus how much time for, for, for fun. Correct. Yes. Right. Right. I, and that's a great question. I don't know specifically of, of exact research for that, but I would kind of look at it from uh, maybe as, as an adult or from you know, look, taking the internet out of it, taking technology out of it. How much are the kids spending in school and or just being productive and, and learning versus play? And same thing for adults, right? I mean, for adults, it could be a little different. We're spending the majority of our day learning or being productive. And then maybe in the evening spending, depends on our lifestyle, but maybe a couple hours, three hours or so, if that, of, of being able to, to rest um, and, and to be able to relax as, as for a child, right? And so that could be a, a good ratio of maybe an hour or two, maybe three hours, again, depending on how much homework they have. Um, but that can be a good ratio. The majority of the time can be if they're in school to be devoted to school, but they can have like a fraction of, of the day be devoted to, to play and to relax as they should. They should be able to relax and to, be able to go out and do something fun or even go online into de-stress uh, online. So um, I don't know what the exact ratio would be, but it, you know, at least maybe 75 or so educational and 25% or so can be fun on a, like a school day. Jeremy, does using technology for productive things like work or school less negatively impact us than it does when we're gaming or scrolling for social media? Being able to do to to do uh, online education versus gaming and, and social media. Is yes, it, is it, are the, is it does it impact us just as negatively when we're doing something productive versus when we're doing something like scrolling for social media or gaming? Sure, I, I think it's a, I think it's different. I can I think it can be argued that um, if we're being productive, we're using technology to enhance um, our productivity and learning capabilities, and that's positive. That can be a positive experience. Um, I guess, like anything, it can be taken to an extreme. Um, but I think overall technology that's devoted to learning and education and being productive can be good. Um, I think it's different, though. It can meet a different need than strictly just for fun and for and fun and, and gaming. But then scrolling is something different. Like if we're just kind of scrolling on our social media feed. We're just kind of mindlessly trying to to, to relax or to escape. Right. That can that's different. I think that's a different experience than actively engaging and intentionally engaging in, in our technology use. Talk um, more that about that. Sense. How's that different? And is that more, is that more negative impact us can, more negatively? I, I mean, it, it, there is the potential for it to be negative by being a time suck and, mm-hmm. and taking away from in-person relationships. Um, there's a term where if you're on your phone and you're in person with somebody else, uh, you're, you're fubbing them. P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G, where it's, it's a term that, yeah, yeah, I 
I've never it's, heard that before. Fubbing? I, I learned it pretty recently as well. Okay. But so the, something like that, like if you're just kind of scrolling on your phone while you're interacting with somebody, trying to interact with somebody else in your family or a friend, uh, then that can be a negative experience. That could be, that can be not so good. Um, but at the end of the day, if everyone's kind of like just being able to rest and to chill and the kind of the way you rest is kind of see what your news feed is or kind of check on to see what's going on, on Instagram, that can be okay. It can be problematic or negative if that's getting in the way of your homework, if that's getting in the way of relationships, that's getting in the way of eating or sleeping right at night, right? It can be mm-hmm. really easy for us. I just want to kind of zone out and chill, right? But if, if screen, sometimes if, if we look at screens right before we go to bed, it can keep us from sleeping well, um, especially for kids too. They can s- spend time online at night. It can get in the way of their sleep. So that that's when it can be an issue. Um, but I think that's, that's different than the productive piece. If we're intentionally going online to learn something or to do something that's active um, and, and, to, and to improve ourselves. Yeah. You talked about sleep. What are some of the other ways of overusing screens um, that we can, you know, we're impacted behaviorally, mentally, physically. Um, so, I mean, the physical aspect of it, if we're looking at a screen and not giving our eyes the chance to look at something else outside the window or something, then we can have eye strain um, mm-hmm. for a while. I mean, so it, again, like just hours and hours and hours of just looking at a screen can, can cause eye strain. So that could be an issue. How our like our physical posture too and if, if we're like even looking at a phone looking down a lot that can hurt that can be have a strain in our neck um how we're typing like our so like um the um, if our hands are kind of um arched in a certain way if they're not relaxed or at a good posture then we can have um you know some carpal tunnel issues with our hands mm-hmm. um and so that those can be some negatives of, of on of constant online use um and then if we're on a on a neurological side of it um, if we're like constantly trying to, if, if we go on our, online, like a lot, if we're not sometimes intentional about this, um, we can look, get used to like immediate gratification, um, and, and be and, and, you know, try to basically erase any type of boredom we may feel mm. or doing nothing. Um, and so if we engage in technology all the time, um, then when there's nothing to do that can feel really uncomfortable and really kind of agitating and so that can be a negative experience i'm really interested in that (laughs) so boredom is okay (laughs) yeah for sure i need you to talk more about that because i don't think that that's a thing anymore like (laughs) boredom we always are trying to fill the fill the boredom fill like everybody because i I, you know sometimes i watch these shows about the 1800s and pioneer days and whatnot (laughs) think about gosh that had to been the most boring thing in the world because we just are always being enticed with something so talk about the freedom to be bored (laughs) yeah and so uh simon sinek does a little bit of i think this in in some of his talks but basically you know really creative thinking and deep thinking can come from just wandering or our minds just wandering and kind of maybe going on a long car ride and just thinking about nothing Right, but allowing us the space and the platform to just think, right, and to be able to solve problems and be able to kind of, even if we're not thinking about, thinking about anything in particular, just kind of daydreaming is a healthy, can be a healthy thing. Um, and so uh, if, if we fill that time, if we don't allow ourselves the time and the space to just uh, to, to, to have our minds wander, then it, we can 
um, it, it, we, it won't, we won't be able to have as much creativity maybe as if we have some boredom, um, or also our anxiety maybe can feel like it's getting higher too mm -hmm. when we don't have anything to do when we're used to having things to do all the time of every minute of the day. Um, so that could be another piece of, it can be good to learn to step away from technology to be okay with the world that's not as fast paced as instant gratification as going on Google and getting the answer right then and there. Um, so it, it can be okay to, uh, to kind of step away and just allow ourselves to, to be, to be in that space. If that makes sense. Oh, it makes as such a, great sense. Yeah. So I don't know if um, I can do it, but <laughs> it's, it's tough. Yeah. yeah I mean, I hear you too. It's tough for me to do that too. You know, there's, uh, we had an episode last year on the importance of play. Uh, so if you want to go back and refer to that one, uh, it was really quite interesting. Um, they adopted basically having kids do four um, recesses per day. It's called the Link Project. And the reason being is that it's like learning. It's like a, a cup. And once you fill it up to the top, it overflows. And play allows your, you know, your brain to know that nothingness that you're talking about. And then they can go outside and play, but they can't bring any balls out there. They can't, you know, but it, it dumps that out of your brain so you can really recharge to do more so you can be more creative in school be more creative in life um as well and uh, but it um it's hard you know it, it sometimes just make yourself do things but sometimes i just get up and shoot a basketball or something and and trust me i'm a horrible basketball player uh, <laughs> uh don't think baby don't you laugh uh she, she's just like technical shot uh, but oh, i never played i played all the non-cheerleading sports but i i got over that anyway um Spoiler. but uh, but it's just a release from my brain, just to just to get get in the sun, get you know, get vitamin D. Um, just and when I'm done, I feel I feel better, and I'm able to get back to work and do what I need to do. Um, so I think it's absolutely critical just to imagine things, um, you know, getting kids to read and things like that. Uh, speaking of reading, uh, kind of a, a shift here. Uh, so um, so while social distancing and gaming and video chatting has become an important outlet for socialization, uh, so how do and I would even say some people even get boyfriends and girlfriends this way now is you know is chat like they chat themselves into a relationship. I don't that you know, uh, but uh, so how do we uh, help them to strike a healthy balance? Uh, and maybe even aside, it's also. Um, Sometimes the chatting can be the norm of how we communicate. So academically, they don't even know how to communicate like a proper, you know, a proper sentence, you know, um, you know, so how does, how, what, what are the pros and cons of that? And I just want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the beauty part about where we are right now in 2020 is we can have face-to-face -face, basically, you know, person-to-person -person communication via Zoom or, or something like that, Google Meet. And so we can see the person, we can try to learn, see body language from shoulders up maybe, right? Or is it from facial features? And so that can be good to learn how to interact. But if, if we're solely kind of email, talking through email or text, it is hard to learn how to speak, um, you know, with others in person, to be able to interact in a person-to-person -person interaction and to be able to have a lull in the conversation to be able to know how to talk about the next thing and, you know, dealing with, you know, well, what do I talk about now? And just, and just all that stuff can be hard. Um, and so for kids, like it's natural also for them to, to form relationships with, they can form relationships from their, from gaming time, um, from talking with in different platforms with, through social media. 
Um, and it can be a really good thing. There, it, it also is something that we need to be conscious as parents to talk openly with our kiddos about um, like what's healthy and what's unhealthy in online in just relationships, right? Mm. And I kind of view it as we talk to our kids about you know how to be appropriate in, for in-person school, either for like you know. And, and then also for college, right? When they go to college, you want to say, we, we want to prepare you for the world. We want to prepare you to how to interact in a healthy and a safe way. Well, the internet and online activities are the same thing. We need to be able to help them learn how to be healthy and, and, and safe in gaming, online gaming and, and social media and, and just interacting on social platforms. Um, and so it's good to, to talk and to learn more about each other online, but we also need to learn how to do that in a safe, kind of in a safe way. I hope that answers a little bit of that question. Yeah. So kind of it, kind of building upon it just a little bit. So, um, so I'm at the middle school age of teach. You know, I teach middle school kids, and so once you start getting into, I think probably seventh grade up, um, you know, they can start getting into some very serious type of worlds out there. Like, so if I told you some of the websites that my kids know about. But if you if you heard a bubble, like uh, no, <laughs> like no, uh, uh, oh my gosh, really? Oh yeah, you know, and and so, um, it can be something where it it can trickle down even to younger ages if the parents are not uh, being aware of what their kids are kind of diving into, because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, there's some nasty stuff out there. And there's some, you know, stuff that's highly inappropriate for, for kids to be engaging with. And dangerous. Uh, yeah, yeah, and just dangerous. Or people luring them into, mm-hmm. you know, people getting abducted and, right. you know, um, just doing stuff they shouldn't be sneaking out. You know, so what are your thoughts is kind of how to help have safeguards, um, maybe not perfectly, but, you know, to have better safeguards in place to help parents help the kids make good choices? Yeah, I think what it really starts with is just a... Uh, a good relationship to be able to have the parents speak truth into these kids and to kind of to, to guide and to teach and for the kids to be receptive to that. So I think it starts with that relationship where the parents really need to be able to, to have a trusting relationship with their kid to, to talk to look, you know, it's really important that you are not telling your, per- your personal address because uh, that's going to potentially lead to someone hurting you or kind of for this to mm-hmm. be unsafe. And to, to be honest, like, just like, look, these are some real, things that have happened. Like, these are some real things that people are online to try to hurt people, to try to um, get what they want and, and, and hurt you in the process. And so being able to have that conversation, I think is a big piece. So have that really healthy relationship is, is huge. And then to, to have uh, a intentional conversations with your kids um, and guiding them and how they can interact in a safe way. Um, and then a part of it can be also is when they find something or if they find something inappropriate to be okay and talking about it openly and as hard as parents, but to do it as possible with an unjudgmental reaction, right? If they come to you with this explicit, really inappropriate pornography, to be able to try to say, you know what? Thank you so much for, for, for showing me this. Thank you so much for coming to me with this. What do you think about this? And for them to, and to just try to talk with them about, you know, this is inappropriate and here's why. Um, and, and this is not safe and here's why. This is what this interaction is, is doing and here's why. And try to be open to have them be safe in talking with you about this, but then to be intentional about look, this is really inappropriate and this is really harmful. And, mm-hmm. and here's why kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, 
that's kind of my perspective on how to sometimes engage engage in some of those 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 things. I love just, that. Just one, uh, I'm sorry, but one, one more quick one more quick question. So just the the converse of that is, if a parent does explode on their child, what could that potentially do to the child and how they engage with them? Um, what are the implications of what? What? what why did you? You, know, you should know better. So what? 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 What can happen with the child if? parent does do that it's completely natural for one if that is the reaction for one right it's completely natural as parents for that to be the case um what that could result in though is the is the child could then be reinforced of well i don't want that reaction to happen again so i'm not going to share it so mm -hmm. if i find something that my i know my mom and dad don't like i'm keeping the secret and so and so then there becomes a lack of openness and there's a lack of um having parents be the guiding voice and maybe finding it with peers, finding it with themselves, Googling, what is this, you know, and being able to maybe find other forums that are able to answer that question, if that makes sense, or kind of answer kind of these things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I like that you said to ask them what they think about that. I always think that that's a good idea because it really kind of helps them make connections when they have to versus us giving them our opinion and our thoughts about it, they have to think about it and it allows them to make connections. And I think um, make better decisions down the line because they've right. really put some thought to it. Yeah. We, we react that way as parents with the what's going on. Oh my gosh. Right. Because we're scared. There's mm -hmm. so much fear of the potential of you find this, you could get abducted. You could do this. And, and there's so much like our, our minds can go to the worst places so quickly. So it's not maybe, or maybe they'll do what, Maybe some of us parents have done that we don't want, you know, and like, oh, I don't want that. That will not happen with my child. And so I'm just thinking out loud there about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that'll never happen with my child, right? That, that'll never happen. I'm good. Um, and that can be a piece too of, of that naivety. One thing that I think is really important that we need to continue to do is to have the talk, you know, about sex or about, you know, about an uncomfortable things. Um, and just to do it at a candid, objective place, I, I, you know, it's hard. It's really hard, but we need to be able to engage in some of these uncomfortable conversations because the right now the web is unfiltered and yeah. anyone can access anything really with a Google search, right? Appropriate, inappropriate, illegal, legal, right? And so, I mean, um, and so it's vital for us to kind of just start to have open conversations with our kids about, about some of that. Um, can you recommend some, de not devices, but some some technology or monitoring devices, things that we can do to help make uh, searching safer uh, for our children? Because yeah. they're, they're super tech savvy. I mean, we've got one who, goodness gracious, we, we have to stay on top of him. And so what can we do to to help monitor him a little bit better? There's a, there's new ones coming out all the time, but ones, a few that I found that are really effective. Some of my clients have reported that Bark is a, is a good resource, um, B-A-R-K. And what that does is it notifies the parents of either search certain terms or inappropriate things that the student or that the student, that your child is searching for online. So it can give you an email or notification of so-and-so just, you know, um, look for something inappropriate or th this went to this website. And so it can be a really good conversation tool of, you know, Hey, I got this bark alert. You know, what's going on with this? Like what happened? And, and so that can be a good way to, to have some accountability and some monitoring. Um, a really good one that I found that is, uh, I've heard that's been effective is um, called freedom 
uh, freedom.to. And I have the, this resource on my website. Um, but basically, if, if it really is good for online learning, um, if, if the child is having a hard time being productive um, during a certain time period, right, they need to focus on this math test, but they really want to talk with their friends on Discord or watch YouTube, this product will, um, you set it up where during certain time frames, so let's say from like 10 to 1130, um, they don't have any access to anything besides the schoolwork. So they try to go to YouTube and it says, you're free to be productive. And it kind of blocks that <laughs> site or it try to, it, you know, try to block, you know, it, it'll block it on your phone or block it on a tablet where it, it's across platforms or across devices. Um, and it only allows you to be productive in what you want to be productive on. So it's kind of blinders, it kind of pr blocks mm. out everything else besides what you need to be productive on. This is great for kids. Also great for adults. Absolutely. That for myself. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, seriously. <laughs> And the beauty part about this too, is even the parent who set this up, sets this up, they cannot change the settings during the time frame. So between 10 and 1130, even if you want to go back and change it, you can't. Uh -oh. um, so from knock on wood, it's harder to break than let's say uh, the screen time app on an iPhone. Mm, better get it right though, because then I can see a child saying, I can't get into my Seesaw app. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so don't mess possibly. that up <laughs> possibly it's just for a time period and then you can go back and change it yeah yeah you know, just for uh for reference so to your point about the keeps kids being savvy so you know i've worked you know taught in districts and you know district has all these firewalls up and they can't get in and you know say there's a video i wanted to watch on youtube <laughs> for math and you know I'm like darn it, i can't get in this video my kids spilly get out the way <laughs> They pushed me out the way. They hit a couple buttons, like, boop, there you go. Like, how did you? I mean, and they're like bypassing IT departments. In, I mean, these kids, I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I'm really in awe of them in some ways. Right. Uh, but, you know, like, oh, thank you. And then I play my video and keep on going. Right. Uh, but yeah, but to your point, yeah, these kids, they know how to get around stuff. So that's the thing that, I, again, I really try to help. Uh, and everyone's seeing is if we can empower our kids to make healthy choices themselves, then they don't need to be monitored, mm, right? They, then mm -hmm. they don't need to be the ones that are reined in by us or as parents or as teachers. We don't, we don't have to create all these safeguards and blocks and all this stuff. And that may be needed, right? If there's someone who doesn't have control over gaming, then sure, that is good to, to, to block it. But, um, you know, it's the points for us to empower them so they make the intentional healthy choices so that when they are on their own, they can navigate how to do it themselves in a, in a good way, healthy way. As we say in the African American church, that'll preach right there. That's, <laughs> that, that's a good word right there. <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Now bring it home. <laughs> so I was perusing your website, Jeremy, and you had some great articles about things to do what, that are tech alternatives. So can you give us some things that we can suggest um, that don't involve screens that we can help? Our, I mean, obviously the reading, that's what we do a lot of times in our houses. We tell them to pick up a book, but what are some other things that they can do in, in addition to that? Yeah. I mean, it depends on what they're like, what we have access to. Um, but we can go outside and just go, you know, do exercise of any kind, go on a walk, play basketball, play baseball, play catch, play football. Um, you can go out and, you know, if rollerblades are still a thing, you get some rollerblades. 
Um, skateboarding can be fun. You're doing something outside again, it can be hot, but just being exposed like to what they were saying earlier, uh, vitamin D in the sun, like those, that can be very good. Um, what I like to try to do is help, uh, the, uh, if, if, if a child is gaming a lot, we try to want to do them, have do other activities. Let's understand what about their gaming they like to do. Mm. Right. And so if they like to explore and maybe create or to build something, well, then let's take that piece. If they're playing Minecraft, for example, right. They love to build, they love this, uh, to create and to, to build something new. Well, let's take them to a Lego store and pick out like either just like some random cubes or, or random bricks, right. To, to, to make something of, of by their, by themselves, or they can buy a box set and you know make it whatever. Um, but take what they're doing online and involve it and, and engage, help them engage in the physical world that meets a similar thing. Um, if that makes sense. That was so good. Another couple of things that you listed was, um, Oh no, that actually, this is something our child does, although it in involves a screen, but, <laughs> um, he watches these YouTube videos that teach them how to draw things. Yeah. And yeah. all of our kids are really good artists. And that's something that has really kind of ignited a passion that he had kind of dropped. He was doing that more when he was younger. We're talking about our seventh grader. And now he's picked it back up because of watching these videos. And he's really getting um, becoming more talented and and a, and a better artist in that. I know just yep. the other day, we I just said, um, I want to teach uh, my kids how to play chess, mm. you know, the chess, which is a great game just for, just for you just mentally. Um, and I think they will really get into it. I think sometimes they, like my kids will say, well, what else is there to do? Yeah. <laughs> like they don't know that, you know, there's other stuff out there and just being intentional about introducing them. I think, you know, once they get into it and see the nature of the strategy and the strategic thinking and all those things that they're going to really love it. So I just talked about that with my wife uh, a day or two ago that we got to get them back into chess because I, I grew up playing chess. Yeah. Um, and I think it'd be, you know, that's another option. Just checkers, just this old school games. Yeah. Puzzles. Board games. Yeah, for sure. Board games. I, I, I have a whole, I have a little section in my website devoted to some fun board games. Yeah. If you can do some fun board games with a family, even just like with two people, um, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. And even like if you'd like to be on tech and if you'd love technology, learn to code. I mean, coding is mm -hmm. going to be, can be a fantastic thing for us to learn, for, you, for us to learn to kind of, um, cause you know, tech isn't really going anywhere. And if we're able to learn to code at a young age that can really bode well, um, just moving forward. So I would encourage you to try to do that. Even, even though it is, it is a screen, I feel like that's different than, than gaming. Um, cause it's fun. They can be, it can be add value to their life. Gaming can add value to your life, but it's, it's just different. Um, that is different, but yeah, that's um, falls under that productive side that you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and coders and people who, who are very productive can spend, you know, just as much like six or seven hours, eight hours or so coding a website, coding a, 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 a new product, a new app. Um, and it can really add a lot to, to, to the world. It can, it can add a lot. And so, um, that's kind of another piece it can, can do yeah uh, you know if you are spending six and seven hours online and i used to be in video production and i would you know spend an entire work day and almost not get up and very yeah. easily um but we talked about a little bit the, of the eye strain and fatigue what can we do to help to mitigate that a little bit i've heard a little bit about blue light blocking glasses is that a real thing yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you can get some glasses that are, um, you can just put on while you're working. If you know, you're going to spend, uh, many hours, you know, six, eight hours, 10 hours or so on a screen, you can get those to help 
um, reduce some of the eye strain. Um, if you're working at night and you want to try to go to bed, like if you have long work day and you really just want to go to bed quickly right after you, you are having to work, you can use those glasses as well. So it's not as much of a strain and um, get some of that blue light, uh, kind of negate some of that blue light effect where you're able to go to sleep quicker than um, staying up later from it. So it does help. It, it really can't help. What does the blue light do exactly? Is that what you were going to ask? That's a great question. To be honest, I'm not sure what, what yeah, the blue, what blue light does exactly, but it mm -hmm. does mess up um, our ability to kind of get into that, that feeling of sleep. And it, it kind of is, um, I think, I'm not sure what it does exactly, but the being on a screen kind of can excite us as different than even if we were to read a book on a Kindle or something, mm -hmm. um, it, that, that type of screen is different than having a tablet, <clears throat> excuse me, or an iPhone. Um, just the type of screen texture is, is different where we're not able to relax uh, as much. Yeah, yeah it probably has something my, to do with the circadian rhythm, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so my, yeah, so my understanding is just, you know, when you shut that off, it tells your body to start to wind down. Um, and so, but when you have it on, it keeps your body, oh, it's still bright. Um, and it keeps you up and perked up versus shutting your mind down slowly and gradually. Um, is there a recommendation as far as uh, a runway of time that uh, kids and parents for that matter should back off the screen time before bed um, to get themselves so that when they say, okay, I want to be in bed by this particular time and actually go to sleep. Uh, what, what are your recommendations as far as how far back to, you know, to give yourself margin to get to that point? I do at least half an hour, but an hour if you can at least half an hour. Yeah. If you have like a bedtime routine, have that be a part of it. You can, you know, have a real alarm clock. Don't use a phone for an alarm clock. Um, because it'll, it'll kind of be too tempting to be able to kind of you know, mm -hmm. look at it maybe right next to your bed. So yeah, at least half an hour or so kind of give yourself that space to turn it off or to, 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 yeah, read a book or something else that can be a little bit more relaxing. Mm -hmm. You know, as a, um, as a teacher, one thing I'm thinking about this year is I say it's very easy for um, to a child can sit through the day and do little to nothing except sit there. Maybe, you know, answer a couple of questions here and there and just sit. Um, and that can be a, a challenge as far as them getting what they need, you know, versus in school, you might pull out your notebook, get your pencil out and start the writing. Um, so what I'm going to do with my kids is, and also just, just, the loss of the time of day is, you know, you do all that, then you sucked into this world, um, but you still have schoolwork to do. Um, so, and I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to introduce either an app or something where they can, it can help them manage their day. Um, I do with my private clients from, from my educational coaching company, it's called a time waster survey. You kind of see, well, how much time are you spending on this and that and the other? And then, okay, how do you need to adjust your time to, you still have an assignment due tomorrow. And that's not going to change whether you spend X number of hours on this game or not. Uh, but what are your thoughts on, um, on either using technology or some other way to help kids manage their priorities? You have class all day, you have your time of release, but in between, they still have expectations they have to meet. So what are your thoughts on just how to help kids manage that? I think what you're doing, it sounds like is what I would recommend too. being able to have, give them uh, like really lay out their day and see what they're spending and devoting their time to. Then the extra time can be spent on screens or on, on whatever they want to do to, to, to relax. Um, you can find this resource again on my website, but if you go to healthychildren.org, 
um, there's a family media plan hmm. and you can click on uh, a media time uh, kind of calculator um, or it, it's on that website where you're able to kind of punch in your day. You're kind of you'd say, okay, I've got eight hours or so. I'm going to school, three, two or three hours of homework. I got dinner time, time with friends, time with family. And then it gives you the rest of that time is free or it can be screen time. And so it can really, it breaks down your day in that, um, kind of in that program to see really how much time you can spend and you can devote to, to, the, to this freedom. So I would look at that kind of as a good ballpark because every child is going to be different. Every schedule is going to be different. Um, every need is going to be different. The PD, the, again, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends about two hours of screen time a day. Um, to be honest, it's a little bit outdated because we're in COVID mm -hmm. because screen time, that term is so broad. Um, and so it, it really is dependent on the child, right? Because someone could be spending eight hours do, doing homework or, or schoolwork, right? And then maybe an hour gaming or three hours gaming. It's, it's, it's dependent on the child um, and what their needs are. But, but that resource can be really great in starting off kind of the discussion of how much time they need. Could you say that website again for everyone that's listening you know, on our podcast? It's a long, uh, like, to be honest, like the actual um the link website is, oh okay is, is long but if you go to my website escapingv.com so escapingv.com and then backslash resources you go down to parenting resources and on the right you'll say is a screen time calculator um by healthy children uh it's the healthychildren.org and you click on that and then it'll come up with the media plan you can create your family media plan or check out the media time calculator. So those are two really good things that you can try as parents or as kids to kind of see, allocate how much time you have uh, to screens. All right. Parents, parents, that's golden. I think that's golden <laughs> right there. I think that's, that's a game changer right there. Yeah. And we will also have all of these on our website as well. Um, I did want to close out the whole eye strain issue. Um, I did see something because this, this has actually been a big issue with our daughter. Um, when she first started, she was, she fell asleep in the middle of class once. And I really think that was because of eye strain and she also, um, gets headaches. Um, so one of the things that I saw was to get into a habit of 20, 20, 20, which is to every 20 minutes, wait, what is it? 20 minutes look away for 20 seconds at something 20 feet away. Did I get that right, Jeremy? Uh, I mean, that, that is correct. Yeah. I mean, try to, try to break it up where you're looking at something um, uh, that's further distance than what your screen is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for, for, yeah, that's what you need to, that's good to, to do that. For and sure. I also saw a recommendation for art, artificial tears. Is that helpful at all? It can be because we don't, we don't blink as much if we're really engaged in a screen. We don't, we don't, and so having artificial tears can help um, produce more um, teardrops because we're not blinking as much. Our, our eyes are getting more dry because of um, some of that time that we're spending online too. What are the, are the challenges you've seen, um, you know, and clients you've worked with um, and, you know, what, what is the fruit on the other side that you've seen once um, you've worked with the parents and with the children to, to help them to get, over these challenges? What, what type of uh, results have you seen? Um, I mean, I, I've seen really being the, the child or the whoever I'm working with kind of struggling with a problematic screen use is to get to just a healthier kind of balanced place. Um, and so I've seen with some families where 
the teenagers are kind of struggling with healthy gaming or kind of it's taking over their life. And so I've seen that the, um, the kids have more tools or the teens have more tools and um, navigating how to um, balance um, their homework and balance their life with games. And I've seen that the parents are able to have more tools and understanding of how to interact with their kids, maybe what boundaries to put up and not to put up um, and how to interact in a way that can help um, disempower their, their kids to make healthier choices. And so different conversations um, and different resources, kind of like we talked about today, um, we're kind of help, you know, to help them get just to a healthier place and just to a healthier place of, of navigating their screen use. Wow. That, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm sure that, as time goes on, this is going to be even a greater need um, in our society um, because you know this is this is becoming the new normal. And now, and if I only would have bought Zoom stock two years ago, because right. I've been on Zoom for you know a couple of years now with my private clients, and you know I just oh look at the little free little thing here, and now it's like I could have been rich. <laughs> I know, man. I hear you, man. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> so, oh my gosh! Yes, yes, yes. So, um, what's a way that um our audience can can get more of you, um, to get in contact with you? Yeah, and do you do virtual um virtual um virtual sessions? I do, I do. Yes, ma'am. I do all virtual sessions right now because of COVID, and even when we go back to in-person sessions, I will offer confidential uh, telehealth and um, and virtual sessions as well. And you can find me all my information at escapingthe.com. Um, you can go to my contact page. You can email me there. Um, a good uh, phone number you can reach me at is two one four four three three two seven two one. Um, feel free to call or text if you have any questions or concerns. Um, but yeah, you can, my, my website has all the information I've discussed and more. Um, and and um, the contact page is a great spot to, to interact with me. If you'd like to set up an appointment, you can also do that at book an appointment is the top right hand corner. There's a button right there <clears throat> to to do that too. All right. Okay, I, I'm sorry, you say escaping the like T-H-E? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Escaping the. Okay. Great. Yep, Thank and you. Then, and then just dot com. Yep. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on with us today. We, this has been some very helpful information that I know we're going to implement in our home as well. <laughs> good. I'm glad. It's, I hope it's, it's helpful for um, our listeners and I hope it's been, it's been good. Yeah. So Nongan Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of School Days. So we always want to let you guys know what's happening with Noggin. North Texas Giving Day is September 17th this year. North Texas Giving Day is an 18-hour giving event benefiting local nonprofits. Each year, your North Texas Giving Day donations help with a significant portion of the funding we need to operate our free tutoring program. And this year, we will use some of the donations to help fund our new ARD Advocacy Program. Our ARD advocates support parents by helping them get the services and accommodations their kids need at school for learning disabilities or special needs. With the closure of schools, the education gap for low-income students has widened, and the one-on-one -on -one intervention we provide is that much more vital. Your support on North Texas Giving Day has an immediate and critical impact on our ability to serve our amazing students. So early giving is open now. You can go to our website, noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org, or schooldaysshow.com for more details and to contribute to our mission today. As always, head to our website, schooldaysshow.com, for more information about all that we're doing and for all of the resources we mentioned during our episodes here at School Days. And remember, you don't ever 
have to miss a show, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. Next week, catch our special Thursday episode. We're calling Cold, Flu, and COVID or COVID-19. Cold cold and flu season can be tricky for parents of school-aged kids. The added complexity of COVID-19 will definitely make this cold and flu season interesting. In this episode, we welcome pediatrician Dr. Aisha Anwar, who will talk to us about managing sick kids and in-person learning in the midst of a global pandemic. So tune in Thursday at 5 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time and tell your friends. And lastly, we always want to end our show by saying that David and I are parenting by grace. We depend on God to give us the strength that we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, please feel to email please please feel free to email us at info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.